Right, let's get started. Should we do an intro? Hi, and welcome to Slices, the Deep Dish Swift podcast. Deep Dish Swift is a supreme Swift developer conference being cooked to perfection in Chicago. It's served from April 30th to May 2nd. On this podcast, we'll be chatting with organizers and speakers of the conference. We're Kaya Malin, and in this episode, we're joined by Ben Pruthi, who is a software engineer, student, and, of course, a speaker at Deep Dish Swift. Hi, Hi ben. ben. Hi, how are you? Yeah, good, good. Great to great to chat with you. That's, let's just get into some questions. I think as a starter, uh, I would love to hear a bit more about you. Where Whereabouts are you from and where are you at the moment? I am at home in New York. I live out in Long Island. Um, it's maybe an hour, an hour and a half from the city. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I've lived here my whole life. So pretty used to it now. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Were you, by any chance, did you attend the... Swift conference in New York this week. There's, I think it's New York Swifty. No, I was not there. But um, you know, starting next year, I'm actually be living in the city, and so I'll definitely look into that because <laughs> making trips across the country gets harder when you're in college. So you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's that's cool. Um, yeah, that's. That, I think you're already getting into it. Um, so you will be starting to go to college next year. And I see that you're already wearing a Columbia shirt. So <laughs> yes. I assume you're going to go to Columbia? Yes. Um, I had applied to about a million schools. Um, <laughs> and then slowly narrowed it down to one based on where I wanted to go and where was, you know, okay with me going there. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm pretty excited. I just saw campus for the first time uh, last weekend, and we'll be going back in about a week and hopefully enjoy it a little more once I get to know like more the lay of the land there. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Do you? How does Columbia work? Do you have to declare what you're gonna do up front, or do you have like an undeclared year or semester or something like that? Kind of. So I had applied directly into their engineering school. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from telling them, you know, whether I'm doing engineering or Columbia College, I kind of have a choice over what I'm going to be doing that I can make over the next two years. So right now I'm in the engineering school. It's pretty easy to transfer into the college if I do decide that's something that I want to do instead. But um, Mm -hmm. as of right now, I'm kind of, I'm thinking I'm going to apply, uh, study applied physics. I'm not completely sure yet. Um, But really any of the engineering options are open. Awesome. Yeah, it's always it's always interesting. I think the U.S. college and university system is very different uh, from what we're used to in Europe, and I think it's it's always interesting how you so basically like you just apply to like a lot of different ones, and then is there any type of like priority order, or is it just you get to pick and choose from whichever one you get accepted to? Yeah, it's completely like your choice once they either accept you or waitlist, reject, whatever, but. Um, I had applied to 22 schools. I was rejected from eight of them, waitlisted at another eight, and then accepted mm-hmm. to six. And so then <laughs> I just get my choice out of those six as to like which one you want to go to. And you don't really tell them anything beforehand in terms mm-hmm. of like what the order is. Yeah. And what about the waitlist ones? Do you, could you put, the, like, could you decide to just pick that? Like, how does that work? <laughs> yeah, so the waitlist is weird. The waitlist basically they say like we like you, just not enough yet. <laughs> um, and I had so I was waitlisted at eight schools. I turned down six of the waitlist. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on the waitlist for Harvard and Yale right now, but I'm still really not sure what's going on with any of that. 
basically over the next like month to two months, they can contact me and say like, you know, we had enough people turn down their offers that we have spots mm-hmm. open if you're mm-hmm. interested in coming. And then I would be able to decide from, you know, Columbia or one of those two mm-hmm. schools. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, I think I'm just sticking with Columbia because I was accepted into like a scholars program there, um, oh, which gives yeah, me a lot of like, yeah, this morning I uh, got an email from one of the professors just like reaching out and I'm actually going to be getting coffee with him when I go to visit campus in a week. That's great. And That's great. he he's going to be my math professor next year Mm. in a class of, you know, up to close to a hundred students. I'll be one of the few people who's like already met him before Mm. and Mm. has like this one-on-one relationship. So that's one of the things that's definitely like pulled me towards Columbia more Mm -hmm. so than other schools. Mm. And you already have to merge. So (laughs) exactly. That's the thing. It's like, if I changed my mind, then I would be giving up the like $20 that I spent on a hoodie. And so at that point, I don't think that it's really practical to change my mind anymore. That's how they get you. Exactly. It's all just a scam. Hoodies are a scam. Um, So you mentioned you will potentially... Most likely study engineering, um, but you already you're you're already a software engineer, right? Um, do you want to tell us a bit about ha- that and how you, how do you fit that into like your university application and school attending schools and those type of things? Yeah, I know that's been something that I've kind of struggled with even in high school is finding the time to do you know everything, and mm-hmm. I would say over the last year I have not had enough time to like get as much software development in as I've wanted to um even just applying to school uh like colleges and then finishing all my high school work has taken up a lot of time and I'm hoping that I'll have like a little bit more time to work on this stuff mm-hmm. next year um we'll see what happens I have considered doing like a, a minor in computer science um that said I kind of, so the first talk that I ever gave at an iOS conference was on how I taught myself how to code and basically mm-hmm why you don't need college to do that. (laughs) And so I feel like it'd be a little bit hypocritical if I now go to college to learn how to code. Like that part just seems like against Mm -hmm. everything that I, once again, like before, it would be a waste of the $20 on the hoodie. I gave a whole talk on this. I can't go back on it now. I already committed and it's too late to switch. So I definitely... I don't think that I'm going to be majoring in computer science. Mm-hmm. I may do a minor just to cover, you know, some of the more traditional aspects and basically so that I can leave the piece of paper that says, trust us, we'll tell mm-hmm. you for sure that he knows how to code <laughs> instead of just, you know, <laughs> trusting him and whatever experience he has. <laughs> there, there, there are plenty of things that you can get out of studying at university, but I think the thing that Kai and I probably benefited from the most is to actually have a piece of paper that shows that we can do stuff. Because for for us, like we travel a lot and we move a lot, and every time we move, it's a lot easier to get a visa if you can prove to them that you have some type of profession and a university degree can be super helpful or is yeah. is very helpful for that. Yeah, for some reason, people care more about a university saying that you can do something than you telling them that you can do something. <laughs> exactly. And that was one of the reasons that I've been told by people like, oh, yeah, you should major in computer science, even if you know it, because that way that you have like some sort of proof, some sort of like qualification there. And um, it's really just backing up what you're telling them with the resume. And I said, yeah, but 
I really like taking physics classes because I don't <laughs> know physics. Yeah. 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 I feel like taking some of the computer science classes, there's a lot of them that just the curricula, like they don't get updated yeah. quickly mm-hmm. enough. And, you mm-hmm. know, software development moves at 800 miles an hour constantly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so everything that you're learning is not to say outdated by the time you learn it, but realistically, I found that most of the stuff that I'm learning happens on my own, not in the mm-hmm. classes I take at school because they don't update them quickly enough to get to, for example, you're never going to find like a Swift UI course already. Yeah. Unless you go yeah. to Even Stanford. it's been out for years. Yeah, Stanford's a different story. Stanford didn't want me. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, I don't want them either. Yeah, screw them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I heard their, t- their, their hoodies cost like 22 bucks too. So, you know. And they're itchy. <laughs> exactly. My friend goes to Stanford, I asked him, and he's like, you know what? It's not all that. And I said, great, because it's not an option. So I'm just going to tell myself it's not all that too. Yeah. <laughs> but even then, you know, if, if you're up, if you're interested in up-to-date, like, Apple platform development stuff, you watch WWDC, right? No matter what, no matter exactly. how up-to-date the university is, they're not going to beat Apple to a WWDC announcement. <laughs> right. Why watch lectures when I could just watch live streams and yeah. watch... The, like, all <laughs> those videos are free from WWDC. Like, that's... <laughs> yeah. Tuition's expensive. WWDC yeah. videos are not. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So what's your plan? Do you have a plan already for what you want to do? Do you want to go into like a software type career or do you do you want to make the physics site your primary focus career wise? I have not thought that far ahead. <laughs> I know that I want to work so on something questions. that involves math. <laughs> yeah, for real. I'm 17. Like, come on. <laughs> but uh, no, I think that I've always said that I want to do something that can, you know, earn a living and let me use math. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that software development definitely achieves both of those things. And, um, in many ways, so does physics. So I think a lot of it's just going to be seeing, you know, what I decide as I move through college and then Mm -hmm. going beyond that. I've definitely considered like working while I'm in college, um, Mm -hmm. on some of the software development stuff, just because it's a way to like, you know, keep your skills fresh so that you don't like slowly forget everything. Mm Mm-hmm. While at the same time, you know, again, tuition's expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How did you get into software development in the first place? It was sort of, not to say an accident as much as um, a series of unfortunate events that all came (laughs) together into one fortunate event. Um, When the pandemic started, I had tried to like teach myself how to code a couple times and it hadn't really worked. Um, Mm -hmm. I had done like very little bits of Python, realized, huh, I can't build anything and then given up. Um, <laughs> during, like right as the pandemic started, though, I got COVID in like March of 2020. Maybe it was April. It was like really, really <laughs> early. Oh, early adopter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like a beta tester for that, you know? <laughs> um, but. I got COVID, nobody else in my family did, and so I was kind of locked in my room for Mm -hmm. about 10 days, and I figured my choices are watch Netflix or do something more productive, (laughs) and I chose the Netflix. It just got boring (laughs) after a little while, and so then I had to turn to like option two, and option two ended up being learn how to code. (laughs) Um, So it was actually hacking with Swift, Paul Hudson's uh, (laughs) tutorials, and I had started with his like 100 days of Swift and told myself, you know, 
the issue that I normally ran into is I would try to learn all of it really, really fast and it didn't work because I can't learn all of it really, really fast. It just, <laughs> I would go in one ear, out the other and forget it all way too quickly. Um, and so what I told myself is like, it does not matter how much you want to like learn more. Cause I definitely, mm-hmm. like I had that curiosity where it was like, I wanted to learn the next step at all times. I told myself like, you have to slow this down and take it piecemeal enough that I'm able to at least just digest the information I'm getting. Mm-hmm. And so I had done, I want to say it was like the first 12 days of the like 100 days of Swift to cover like syntax. And so every day I would go on, I would learn like, you know, the next day of the 100 days. And then mm-hmm. um, once I ran out of like the problems on the website, and I want to say he had like an app too that I started uh, working with, then I started doing some of like the uh, problems that I could find online, just, you know, basic stuff mm-hmm. the, where I could at least use what I was learning and kind of reinforce the ideas. And then once I got to the part where it was like building real apps, that's where it sort of went off the rails and I stopped following <laughs> the tutorials um, mm-hmm. yep. again, because at that point I was like, you know what? I want to learn it all at once. And <laughs> that time it worked at least a little bit, I hope. Um <laughs> So what I started doing was I started building a password manager app that slowly became kind of a test dummy for anything Swift related that I wanted Mm -hmm. to learn. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, I wanted to figure out the encryption. And so I threw in all sorts of different kinds of encryption. I wanted Mm -hmm. to learn about, you know, touch ID, face ID. And so Mm -hmm. the app I threw that into and basically every different piece of swift that i could find that i wanted to learn about i would try to find some way to integrate it into the app and it got to the point where i was dealing with like um i would create like a custom file system so that users could literally (laughs) send encrypted files that were again it was just an encrypted version of the password they could share that with other users and then if they Mm -hmm. had the app too they could open it decrypt it and so on um but long story short, it just became this like Frankenstein's monster type thing <laughs> where I was just sticking on random pieces so that I could, you know, learn to code by actually doing it. Yep. And um, yeah, it, you know, the whole purpose of the app was never to actually like, you know, sell anything. It was mostly mm-hmm. just I wanted to learn it by producing something. Mm-hmm. And in that way, I think it worked out pretty well. Yeah, yeah, that that's cool. I, I feel the same. Uh, I, I think it's even in Paul's intro about 100 days of Swift and Swift UI <laughs> and all the other ones. It's not a sprint. But for me, when I see 100 days, I was like, I bet I can do it in 25. <laughs> exactly. And the thing is, like, you can, but it doesn't work nearly as well. Like, he knew what he was doing when he chose 100. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, but at the same time, I do I, I do find I learn the best if I'm working on something that I care about, as in a product or some kind of uh, you know. If as soon as I got when I got started with iOS development uh, a while ago, as soon as I got to be able to be proficient enough to start building what I want, I, I also abandoned all the all the tutorials and everything I was doing at the time. I was like, cool, got enough. Now I start building my own things and then it made it for me a lot easier to figure out all right now i constantly run into things i don't know and then i learn those and clear mm-hmm. the roadblock make it to the next one clear that one and then kind of learn more based on the path to to solve the problem that i mm-hmm. am intrinsically motivated to solve 
And I think that's a great thing about yeah. software development, as you said earlier, right? It's, it is something you can learn yourself. And at some point, you figure out how you learn the best, and then you just apply that. Yeah, absolutely. I know what you were saying about like the overcome one hurdle and the next one. There were definitely a million times where I was like, it doesn't work. <clears throat> I don't know why. And then it turns out the reason it doesn't work is because... I had no idea what I was doing when I put like <laughs> this piece of the code together. And yeah. then you learn and the next time you build it, you know, like, okay, so maybe I need to have the data be, you know, existing in an actual structure instead of just kind of like <laughs> throwing it in there and seeing yeah. what happens. Yeah. And like, as you fail repeatedly, you slowly kind of build an intuition for mm-hmm. how not to fail the next time. Yeah. 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 No, I, I agree. I think like learning from something, I, I, I feel maybe it's just something I'm telling myself, but I feel like it will stick better too if you have an applicable, like app that you want to build. Because like yeah, maybe you speed it up a bit and you're learning more things than you should in one day, but at least you have sort of like a memory association with what you learned. Like yeah, it was for this particular feature or this particular part of the app and. I don't know. I think as long as you have fun learning, I think that's that's already <laughs> yeah. a good starting point. Absolutely. And another piece of this was because this was during the pandemic, I did not have like real school. My school switched to this like remote situation <laughs> where the teachers weren't supposed to be scheduling specific class times. All of our work was asynchronous. Okay. And that meant that I you know, could get my schoolwork done pretty quickly because there wasn't a lot of it. (laughs) And then my sleep slash work slash whatever schedule just became completely messed up. And I learned the majority of my like programming skills between the hours of like 1am and (laughs) 4am because I just became like semi-nocturnal during this time. (laughs) And that was just a consequence of COVID for me, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I had a good time with it. Like, Yeah, for all the all the bad things about COVID, I'm kind of jealous of, of people. <laughs> I, I hated high school. I wish we had a, <laughs> a setup where you can just stay at home, do the things that you want to do whenever you want, and not have to go at a place at 8 a.m. I, I, I went to a high school in Germany, and the school started at 8 a.m., and that was just about four hours too early for me. You say 8 a.m. is bad. I got to be there by 7.05. Oh, man. (laughs) AP chemistry, first period every day. And sometimes it's a double period. It's terrible. (laughs) That is rough. It's it's deeply terrible. Yeah. Hmm. yeah i'm ready to be done with that do you so how do you feel now when you have had both like the remote learning and the in-person through high school do you look forward to being back in person full-time yeah i mean now that like my school kind of tried to go back to in person as quickly as they could so mm-hmm. it we left during march of my freshman year so i was in ninth grade we ended up doing just like this asynchronous stuff for the rest of that year mm-hmm. and so that was only like three to four ish months that i lost mm-hmm. and then when i came back the next year my school offered the option of doing like zoom classes um mm-hmm. But they didn't separate the Zoom classes from the regular classes. Mm, so mm-hmm. I was in like a math class with 20 kids. And then there were also another five kids who were at home on their computers watching mm-hmm. the lectures kind of mm-hmm. from a recording. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
we also, if you were in person and you got sick at all, you would go home and so you'd spend a couple of days doing the like remote version. And I found that I learned absolutely nothing when I was <laughs> at home doing the recorded <laughs> ones because I just, I could not pay attention to the screen, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of, oh, Alexa's yelling at my brother. <laughs> He's not even home. Um, but yes, the, uh, I found that like learning virtually was really hard for me just because I didn't have the ability to pay attention to the screen for that long yeah whereas at least with the teacher if i stop paying attention usually they'll say like wake up <laughs> and that happens sometimes especially during first period chemistry it's 705 <laughs> yeah I, I get it <laughs> yeah they don't give us enough sleep in high school anymore it's a whole thing that like people in my school they're all like uh they're trying to get the start time pushed back because they they teach you in health class. Oh, people need eight hours of sleep, but then they give you so much work it's not possible. So <laughs> it's a whole thing. Yeah, yeah. What time does school usually finish in high school? We wrap up at one forty-five, but then most people, a lot of people have like clubs and stuff after school, mm-hmm. and like right now. So I play tennis, and mm-hmm. um, our practices start at three and go till five thirty. So that means yeah, I'm at school from seven AM yeah. to five thirty. I don't get home until six. So, mm-hmm. you know, eleven hours straight I am yeah. up and away and then you have homework and stuff when you get back. So it's definitely it's a busy life, but you know, I enjoy it. All my yeah. friends are there, <laughs> so it's even when you're like working, you're still just socializing. So yeah. you know, it's not too bad. Um so uh, over to another uh sort of topic what do you do i mean you already said that you're in school a lot but what do you do if you're not in school or you're not programming what do you do for fun Ooh, okay um this is gonna spoil the potential for a two truths and a lie however <laughs> one of the biggest things that i um one of the biggest things in my life outside of school has been skiing um mm-hmm. i've been skiing since i was three or four years old um my dad grew up in the Poconos, like a little region in Pennsylvania. They're not mm-hmm. like big mountains at all, um, but he was so close to them that, you know, they'd spend every single weekend skiing. And when mm-hmm. I was really young, he was like, he hadn't skied in a while because he sort of stopped when he went to college. Um, mm. And of, he had two sisters. One of them also kind of stopped. And then when he had me, it was sort of just this excuse to just get back into it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I think it was partially because he wanted to do it and I was just like the excuse. Um, yeah. But he basically, as soon as I could walk, he was like, just go. <laughs> and uh, I picked it up. I had a great time with it. And now, you know, we go skiing constantly. I'd say it just about every two weeks during the winter, we are up in Vermont um, mm-hmm. skiing awesome. or we actually... You guys said you're in Vancouver. We were out in Whistler um, mm-hmm. this past February. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I had a great time out there. I'd never been to Canada for ski. I'd mm-hmm. never been out of the U.S. for skiing at all. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We'll sometimes do trips to like Colorado or Utah um, mm-hmm. and hit like the Rockies, but I'd never been out of the U.S. And it was just, it was such an amazing experience. That's great. Did you like Whistler? Yeah, it's huge. Because <laughs> like, Whistler and Black Homes together, it is yeah. just absolutely massive, you know? Yeah. I felt like we were there for, this was the longest trip we'd ever done. And I think we skied maybe six days and I still felt like we did not get to cover the mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. whole mountain. There was absolutely yeah. things that I could go back and say like, we didn't get to do this. Yeah. I want to hit it. Well, if you and, come back um, to Vancouver, uh, let us know. 
can show you around the, the city. Hmm. Yeah, it was funny. So when we went, um, our flight back actually got canceled. And so we ended up having to drive from Whistler to Seattle, cross the border oh, wow. um, <laughs> in a car instead, and then fly out of Seattle because they had like a huge blizzard come in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. just completely cover the city. I'm sure you guys remember it. Yeah. yeah, we were flying out we before were, that. We were in California really? during that time, fortunately. Yeah, see, I'm from New York, and I had to deal with the Vancouver weather. You guys <laughs> are from Vancouver, and you didn't. Like, <laughs> that's just luck right there. <laughs> I like the cold weather like that. Yeah, I always have. I don't. Well, I think it's because of the skiing more yeah, so yeah. than anything else. You know, when it gets cold, it means I get to go skiing. But mm-hmm. I get very bothered by like warm weather, but cold weather is totally fine. You know. <laughs> That sounds crazy to I'm, me. I'm completely opposite of that. <laughs> no, we That's had crazy. we had a week. Um, last week in New York, it got very, very warm um, very suddenly. And now it's, you know, back to the 50s. But we were hitting like 80 degrees sometimes. And there were definitely people who were like, oh, my God, it's summer. That's awesome. <laughs> and I hated it. I was like so uncomfortable that it was that warm again. And it freaked me out. But... Yeah. You know, you got to deal with it. It is what yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah, we we lived in Australia for five years, six years, something like that, mm-hmm. and that was that was blissful. Like hundred plus degrees, not a problem at all. But being around the thirties is just not that. That's not our our favorite. It doesn't seem like what uh, the temperature humans are supposed <laughs> to live in to me. <laughs> Neither is a hundred. I take thirty over a hundred. <laughs> Neither one's ideal, but 30 over 100 any day. 100 makes you feel like you're just melting. It's fine. I can still do sports at 100. I have no problem with that. But going out for for a run at at 30? No, thank you. Speaking of traveling and melting, uh, we're we're all going to go to Chicago. Melting, cheese, deep dish, you know? It makes sense. Yeah. Um, have 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 you been to Chicago before, Ben? I think maybe once when I was very, very young, but not in the history that I can remember, at least. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. I don't think that I've been to Chicago in a very long time. Um, and so it'll definitely be like good to see, you know, another city that I've like never been to. Hmm. I, I'd actually applied to two schools in Chicago. And so um, I was telling Josh, I was like, you know, there's a chance that <laughs> I literally move out here and I have not seen the city yet. But yeah. <laughs> That's not happening, so I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what's your talk going to be about at Deep Dish? It is going to be about machine learning in Swift and sort of why it's faced the roadblocks that it has and Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. I think that's going to go kind of in the future. Um, I've given... So the last talk that I gave was... I called it Time Traveling with Swift. um, Mm -hmm. And I kind of looked over the roots of Swift and like where it came from. And sort of why those roots are going to impact its future. Um, basically, it was trying to play the game. It was like just trying to guess what would happen in the future just based off the past, which mm-hmm. doesn't always work very well. I think some of the things <laughs> I said came true. Some of them didn't. And uh, some of them are still a we'll see. But <laughs> this sort of is building off of that and kind of narrowing the focus onto machine learning just because I found that it's an area that is... I say it's like a buzzword because everybody wants to get on the machine learning train, especially Mm -hmm. with, you know, all of this AI stuff that's coming out right Mm -hmm. now. And like, I'm just trying to kind of look at what is Swift's role in that? And is it something that actually will become 
an important part of Swift or is this going to kind of be something that sort of Swift can't get on that train mm-hmm. because it's too late? Mm-hmm. And I think that like the the more that I've read about this and the more that uh, the like research I've done, I've kind of come to realize that the idea of machine learning definitely Swift is a language that I think absolutely could work mm-hmm. with machine mm-hmm. learning, but it almost just feels like we've looked away from it. You know, there's <laughs> definitely like even Apple's like created all these libraries to deal with machine learning, but it's just training mm-hmm. models. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, the the you don't go into the like more fundamental aspects of machine learning in Swift mm-hmm. typically. And I sort of want to explore, well, why not? Hmm. That sounds really interesting. Have you used it? Have you used ML a lot for like your own hobby projects as well? A little bit, but more so actually in some of the research that I've worked on than anything that I've done in mm-hmm. software development. Um, I worked on a couple projects at Stony Brook University um, that's right near my house. And so I've worked on some projects involving like computational biology and mm-hmm. physics. Um, and through some of that, I actually got to do a little bit more of the machine learning stuff. Um, because I find that there's all of these applications of machine learning that are like flashy and you see them in the news. <laughs> um, and that's where you get, you know, the idea of all of this like AI stuff. But there's also so many applications of machine learning that people kind of overlook and it's happening behind the scenes, mm-hmm. even when people kind of don't know it's happening. And so I got to use a lot of that in some of the research that I've done, um, but not nearly as much in the actual software development. What is an example of uh, something that people often overlook that happens in the background? So one of the things that I actually worked on with some of my research is like think of drug discovery. So Mm -hmm. in pharmaceuticals, Mm -hmm. nowadays, whenever you're looking at um, drug discovery, they don't really produce the drug to test it until they build it on a computer first and test it Mm -hmm. in a series of simulations. And these simulations are incredibly computationally intensive especially because a lot of this stuff is trial and error. You're basically mm-hmm. creating something that you think will work. You're making a lot of very small modifications and seeing how that sort of plays out. And then there's been a lot of work recently, especially with like neural networks on how can we see what worked in many other situations and apply mm-hmm. it to some other drug that you're trying to work on. And Again, when people think pharmaceuticals, they don't think of machine learning necessarily, but it's there's so much of it going mm-hmm. on behind the mm-hmm. scenes. And a lot of it even hasn't been like implemented on a wide enough level yet, especially because this is just like such new technology. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's something that I came across because I saw the results of this. And it's, you know, you're getting uh, efficiencies that are thousands of times better when you use some level of machine learning instead mm. of just old-fashioned guess and check on a computer. <laughs> <laughs> That's fascinating. How did you get involved with the research? I had taken the science research class at my school, and part of it is um, they sort of help you get involved with different research mentors at either Stony Brook University or we have Brookhaven National Laboratories mm-hmm. about 45 minutes away. Um, and the program they don't really actually do much in terms of the like helping you get involved as much as giving you hard deadlines and saying you need to do it. (laughs) And if you need support, we're here. Um, And kind of having that like fire lit under you definitely helps me like 
get involved with this. So there was a lot yep. of like cold emailing and seeing like, hey, can I help work in your lab? Can I like do <laughs> something? And then um, I ended up working on a couple different projects uh, over the last two years. Um, one of them was through the applied math department. There was another one that I joke that I don't really know what department it was because the building <laughs> that I was working in was called the uh, Center for Physical and Quantitative Biology. And then, of course, it had to be funded by the Department of Chemistry. And so I don't really know exactly what you want to call that, but it was some mishmash of science and engineering and a little bit. There was definitely like computer science in there, too. Mm. And it was fun. I enjoyed it. But I don't know if I could completely describe <laughs> in one word like what type of science I did. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's fun. Hmm. Um, all right, I think let's move over to our rapid fire questions. Um, it's let's rapid do it. fire, yeah. And I think if you you can interpret this as you want, the questions are rapid. But if you have like we we, um, if you wanted to talk about like one app longer, that's totally fine. Um, so first, what's your favorite iOS app? Favorite iOS app? All right, I have two of them. Um, one of them is Gmail, and <laughs> it's. Not that I actually like Gmail as much as I find Apple Mail to be incredibly difficult to deal with at times. <laughs> and so Gmail just becomes like my default alternative, um, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, it's a fine app. It works fine, but it beats the competition by a lot. And so... Cool. It's interesting. You know, uh, Many people answer this question in terms of like what they are using the most, not necessarily their favorite app. And I, hmm. I start to see a pattern. Yeah, the other one I could say would be Instagram, and that's what I use the most. Again, I don't like it. Like, I really don't. <laughs> I hate social media. I'm one of the few people in, like, my generation that just, I do not enjoy the, like, constantly being on social media. Mm -hmm. However, I sort of got, like, addicted to TikTok and then told myself, okay, that's not happening, so I deleted it. <laughs> and then Instagram has those reels, which is just their knockoff version of TikTok. And so then I became sort of addicted to that. And so when I say it's my favorite, like, I really do not like Instagram, but I find that I spend way too long on there every day. Uh -huh. And so, like, subconsciously, it's definitely my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, I the question was, what's your favorite iOS app? And you told us about two apps you kind of don't like too much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Cool. Uh, Which so apps then, do you I'm not like on the Mac? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no. My app for Mac is the Notes app, and I love it. Okay. That, right. one, that one I absolutely love, just because it's the only way that I can actually, you know, they organized at all um mm -hmm. oh basically if there's anything i have to do and it's not in my notes app it's not getting done <laughs> and that's just become a fact of life and i like it though it works fine yeah i think that's a good choice i i use notes a lot more than i think many people because it's like it's so flexible in what you can use it for and how many like how you can organize everything I, I especially after last resign from a couple of years ago I, it really stepped up mm -hmm. i tried reminders for a little while it just doesn't have the same feel as notes mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. yep, I agree. notes is literally like nothing more than having a pencil and paper although with the collaboration stuff like a pencil and paper that you can like hand off to people but still <laughs> it's such a simple app yet it also is probably like the most important productivity tool that i have yeah <laughs> No, good, good choice. Uh, what's your favorite iPhone model? The 4S. 
um, mostly Good Good because of nostalgia. So this was kind of the first iPhone that I ever really got to interact with. Um, at the time, my family was not really like an early adopter of this kind of thing. Um, neither of my parents had what I called a phone that I could play games on, um, <laughs> but my aunt did. She had iPhone 4S. It had Siri on it, which I thought was cool. And mm-hmm. it also had Angry Birds. <laughs> and so I would play Angry Birds on her iPhone 4S. That was like the first time that I ever yeah. got to play on a phone that had games. Oh, that's awesome. I think the 4 Series is now the most picked uh, favorite model. It's a good is one. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's also my favorite, uh, yeah. I think, of the, the iPhone Series. I think the... The it's four, four and four S were just yeah, great yeah, form it's a good factor. Form yeah. factor yeah. Big step from the previous generation. I think yeah. you know the screen was incredible, especially if you compared it to like the three GS before, and then you jump to the four. And the four S did everything the four did, plus adding Siri and being actually fast. The four was a bit slower, right, because of the double resolution. But the four S mm-hmm. just, I think, was a perfect iPhone. Yeah, it sounds like your reasons were a lot more like well thought out and technical than mine. But I think that Angry Birds was also a really cool thing there. Yes. So, yeah, whatever wins you over to the iPhone 4 camp, I think we're good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of iPhones, uh, I don't think I sent you this question earlier because we like to see people's reaction uh, uh, on the show um we were curious how many apps would you guess that you have installed on your phone too many um <laughs> hmm. i'm gonna guess about 200 all right general about where oh i'm on my phone oh, yeah, right now with you let's see settings general, general about yep then applications. 171. Oh, you're actually pretty, well. pretty good. Not bad. Wow, that's really good. I think you were the I'm first a, one who's been... used. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a very different question. <laughs> but I think you're the first one who actually estimated it to be higher than what you ended up having. But also you're the first that actually was in the right ballpark. Yeah, what else <laughs> Way off. Really? Yeah. What do people normally guess? <laughs> I, Marlin, think people I, mean, are, I mean, I don't want to... Throw I'm anyone terrible. else under the bus, but Marlon, <laughs> Marlon guessed she would have 80. Turns out she had 800. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. I mean, it does make sense thinking about it for a moment because I do tend to just like install a lot of apps for inspiration and then I just forget about them. And then I might like, I might keep it around because I love the inner purchase screen in one of the apps or the onboarding flow in another one. So it adds up. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. It's definitely, I will occasionally go on like deleting storms and it's not even because I run out of storage. It's more that I tell myself, this looks cluttered. I need them gone. And I don't really know why I need them gone, but I feel the need to get rid of a lot of apps sometimes. And I'll just delete like a whole list of them that I haven't used in forever. And then a week later I go, oh, I need that one back. <laughs> and back to the app store. And that's the yeah. best part of having an iPhone is that yeah. it's really easy to just yeah. undo that change. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. For me, I don't know. I'm, I think I'm weird. One of the first things I do every morning is go to the app store and check the updates tab that's now hidden behind your profile uh, and check all, all the new updates and re- read all the release notes. 
It's kind of fun to see what... I mean, most of them are just super boring now, right? It's, everyone has most minor, of them are bug like, fixes my, and my, improvements. Yeah. Bug fixes. Yeah. Performance improvements. Yeah. Bug fixes. But they're the always, same one. You know, there are always some gems. Like Curtis with slopes, always very, very uh, verbose, thought-through release notes. The Transit app, they're usually having a fun kind of story about what they've added to, to their app. So I, I appreciate reading those when people put <laughs> Sometimes effort in. they... They throw like fun. Uh, it's just fun to read them. Sometimes I think there's a few people that make it almost like a little art form. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, it's just bug fixes, performance <laughs> improvements, security fix. And then you yeah. wonder what was the security issue. I know. Tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. Next question. What's your favorite food item? Favorite food item is definitely a fried chicken sandwich. All right. <laughs> I can't explain it. Um. A spicy fried chicken sandwich is even better. <laughs> Again, I can't completely explain this. And yeah, you know what? I'm just going to leave it at that. Fried chicken sandwiches. <laughs> spicy preferred. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, and then we're over to Two Truths and a Lie. And I know you might have spoiled one already. Uh, okay. So we can do One Truth and a Lie if you... <laughs> Unless you want to come up with one on the spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to come up with... Okay. Got it. All right. Um, my two truths and a lie are that the first phone, the first iPhone that I ever had was an iPhone 6. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The second one is that my dad went viral on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> and the third one is that I do not know how to play chess. All right. I like those. Yeah, me too. Cool. With that, where can people find you online? After you just told us that you don't like social media. <laughs> they can find me online at, at Ben Pruthi, um, B-E-N-P-R-O-O-T-H-I. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Snapchat, if <laughs> that's a thing. Um, that said, there's a decent chance that I have any number of those deleted at any given time. So if I don't respond, it doesn't mean that I don't like you. It probably means that I'm trying to convince myself that I can do without it for a little while and I deleted it. But don't worry, because every single time that fails and I re-download it soon. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um, thanks again Ben for joining us and thank you everyone for listening to the episode of Slices um, the Deep Dish Swift conference is coming up it's happening in Chicago from April 30th to May 2nd and you can all find links to everything we talked about and links to Ben in the show notes um, until next time see you all later awesome man 11 days left bye bye <sighs> yeah I don't like that <laughs> We could start a countdown. <laughs> I yeah, know. like Josh tweets like every day about like different things that will happen. I think today he tweeted that in two weeks the conference will be over, and like that was <laughs> I don't know that felt stressful to me. I'm like, we'll be over in two weeks. It hasn't even started. Yeah, because they're just they happen so fast. It's like just like a little blip, you know. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's also we're now on our first and ninth iteration of what we want to talk about. We changed our mind eight times so far, so that's also <laughs> adding extra pressure. It's like, how many more changes will we go through by the time we 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 have to present? Yeah, I kind of find that the direction I end up taking with each talk changes as I make the slides, and I realize yeah. 
this needs to be included somewhere. I'm going to figure out a way to throw it in. And yep. then <laughs> that adds in like, you know, a 10 slide detour. But you know what? It's worth it usually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What we thought would be one slice now, uh, one slice. Oh man, I'm already <laughs> in theme. One, one slide uh, mm -hmm. is now probably going to become the entire talk. We'll see. We still got. We still, still got eleven days. places to figure it out. <laughs>